You're listening to the Brick by Brick podcast, where we take you from the ground up on real estate investing. Join us on our entrepreneurial voyage through the world of flipping houses, managing rental property, and building a real estate empire. Welcome back to the Brick by Brick podcast. I am John Errico here as always with Ryan Goldfarb. We uh, have, I think, a great topic today that Ryan uh, proposed, which broadly is opportunities under our noses, which I think can mean a, a bunch of different things. What Ryan and I have done is taken a few minutes to think about the different ways that we would interpret that question and come up with some ideas. We haven't shared them with each other. So I'm very curious to see what Ryan has come up with on this topic. And I'm hopeful that Ryan is curious to see what I've come up with. Yeah, I think when I proposed the topic, I I realized it required a little bit of clarification. So the way that I clarified it was to pose the question, if we restrict ourselves from buying any new real estate from today onward, how would we optimize our current portfolio? Right. The the way that I phrased that question was if we were to foreclose ourselves of any new opportunities, how would we maximize what we already have? That, so. I was I actually changed the wording to myself ever so slightly <laughs> because I realized that some of the things that I would come up with were arguably a new venture unto themselves or maybe like taking advantage of like a dormant venture that we've already started on. I have so, some I have some ideas that are like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds like we're on the same page here. Um you want to start us off here? What was what was yeah. your first idea? Well before we get into it, I just want to talk sort of almost existentially about the question because I think it's a it's an important question that uh we've never really asked ourselves. And I think anyone who's an entrepreneur and anyone working in you know the real estate space where you have real assets can ask them. I think a question that we often ask ourselves is what's the thing that we should be doing next? And right. I think the implication of next is bigger and better and more. Right. So buying more stuff, starting new ventures, partnering with new people, like whatever else. But, you know, a very fair question to that is to say like, well, I already have a lot under my belt. Should I be spending more time maximizing what I currently have? You know, that's yeah. a, that, that, that paradigm is not something I've, I think I've ever really thought of in that dynamic. Yeah, I think the dynamic at play here is we do, I think, ask ourselves these questions often or at least at some points along the way, like what could we be doing better? I think we're always asking ourselves a different version of that same question. But I think the reality is that because we are so forward focused, we are so we are always looking for that next thing. Even when we ask those questions and have those discussions and even bring up some ideas, they often fall by the wayside in favor of something new. And right. I, and I guess it's, it's a symptom of what many real estate investors suffer from, which is, you know, shiny object syndrome. Right. So let's try to pretend that there's a world in which we do not suffer from shiny object syndrome or we are restricted from indulging ourselves. I, I think the way that I thought of the question in my mind too, which is I think another way that you could approach the question is there's sort of two categories of things. There's, new things that we could do with our existing portfolio of stuff like our and resources and time and whatever else. But there are also opportunities to kind of fix or improve on existing stuff. And I, maybe those are not two exactly distinct categories, but that was helpful. And my thought process was like, well, we have this bunch of stuff that we do or have or whatever we can, we can extract more out of, out of that by either 
doing new things within that, you know, new, new opportunities per se, or also, you know, saving money or time or resources, whatever else, which would then maximize our existing opportunities. I don't know if that really makes sense as a, as a dynamic, but that's, that's how I thought about it in my mind. But and, and one more thing before we get into it, I, I just want to make sure that everyone listening or watching has a sense of what we do. Cause I think if we start talking about what we do or like, you know, these, opportunities without knowing what we do that'd be very confusing so if you're not a long-time listener of the podcast ryan and i obviously are real estate professionals in the sense that we do many different things in the, the field of real estate um specifically right now we have a bunch of interrelated businesses that primarily operate in atlantic city new jersey and northern new jersey uh, but those include a construction company called Liberty Hudson or Liberty Hudson Construction, a property management company called Liberty Hudson Solutions, a fund, uh, sort of like a private equity vehicle called Liberty Hudson Opportunity Zone Fund One, um, a holding company, which holds a lot of our individual assets that we call Liberty Hudson Holdings, and then all of our individual property level or asset level holdings. So those are individual properties or a group of properties or whatever else. There are a few other businesses that are kind of ancillary to that, that we're partners in or run or like are in whatever way involved in as an investor or something. But those are kind of our primary things. And then you can imagine that in every business, there are people that work for those businesses or are affiliated with those businesses. They have their own resources, their own things that they own, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you for running through that. Uh, it was a nice reminder of why I have zero free time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We also have our personal lives. Right. Which <laughs> <laughs> John has two kids. I'm married. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's dive into it. Do you do you want to start, Ryan? Kick us off. Sure. Um, I don't really have these in any particular order. Um, I'm actually going to bounce around a little bit because I think a few of these could probably be better classified under one general bucket. The point that I the way that I summarize this is maximize revenue and occupancy for existing assets. So I have a number of different sort of like tactics that I would focus on in order to achieve that. And this was the first thing on my list as well. So. There we go. <laughs> Great minds, as they say. Of course. So I, I don't know uh, what you had written down, but I'll, I'll just briefly list off the things that I had underneath this bucket. I have opportunities for ancillary income, um, some of which we, we already employ, um, kind of like this in-unit marketplace we have for people to buy things within our listings. Consistent with that, maybe something more, a little more experience-focused where we work out some type of arrangement to get to earn commission off of referring guests to local vendors um, for experiences like a boat tour or a culinary experience or things of that nature. Second thing that I have under this under this umbrella is to maximize distribution. So right now, our listings are distributed across Airbnb, Verbo slash HomeAway, Booking.com, Homes and Villas by Marriott International. Uh, we have our own direct booking site. Uh, we are on Mr. BNB. We are on, uh, we have a few units listed on Plum Guide. I believe there is some sort of like Google. Google a way to book directly through Google, which I think is powered by one of our channel managers, uh, Booking Pal. Um, there might be one or two other sources out there that are also uh, that we're also advertised on. But there are even more sort of niche opportunities outside of that. And I think even if they are just improving our distribution at the margins, that's something that I would look into. Um, the third would be an initiative to 
advertise more for direct bookings. That's something that is a pretty low volume contributor to our overall bookings right now. But I think that to there be is clear, definite- direct bookings are bookings that we receive directly like through our, our website, website right. not through a another channel like Airbnb. Right. And and the goal of that is that there's a lot of there's a lot of power and a lot of value in owning your distribution. Related to this, this is less on the distribution side, but in the similar vein of optimizing, um, it'd be to more closely you know, I, I I wrote religiously monitor our pricing tool and occupancy st- uh, data. This is something we definitely do right now. Um, Not religiously. I mean, but I yes, I, I would say I wouldn't classify our current. I don't involvement pray as to it in the morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think there's there's certainly opportunity there to either more effectively capture upside or to be a little bit more competitive when things are not as you know in, in lower demand environments to help stimulate occupancy. And I think as like a sort of offshoot of that to more closely to more closely track our competitive sets. And frankly, those can be both internal and external competitive sets. We have a lot of properties that I would describe as competing with one another in certain respects, but certainly um, more broadly, each of our properties are competing with other uh, competitors in the marketplace or other comparable properties. Uh, and then I think to uh, this, this uh, I guess really ties ties in with the direct just, booking concept. Creating so many ideas, I'm just like taking notes on this. Like remember <laughs> different ideas that I, yeah. that are not related to the podcast. Like oh, this is like this yeah, is. maybe over lunch we'll make this a little more <laughs> actionable. Um, under the under the uh, advertising for direct bookings concept, I also had uh, emphasize branding for our existing properties, and one motive for that is to create a brand that people will remember so that if they enjoy their experience, they're more inclined to come back as a repeat guest and in an ideal world, book directly through us. I think that's something that we've talked about for a while and we've made some strides towards actualizing, but I think we still have a long way to go in that respect. So, um, John, I don't. it sounds like you had a lot of similar thoughts, but if you yeah, have any I, thoughts on what I said or additions to that, I'm very Well, curious. I have a lot of... First of all, I think those are all great thoughts. I think, as you mentioned, we've, we've explored some of them in various ways in the past. I'm actually interested that you went that direction, given what the first thing that you said, because I had almost verbatim the, the, the topic that you said uh, is the first thing that I have on my list, which is essentially to say like, you know, maximize kind of our, the revenue from our current businesses. But I, I had it, I, I thought of it in, in it from a different angle. I think that your angle was more, you know, let's maximize, let's make sure that we're pricing correctly. We have our distribution channels correctly. We're advertising, we're branding, all this sort of stuff, which I think is all great. My angle that I thought is well, like it, it, really two related things, uh, sort of maximizing space and maximizing time. So, my thought was, you know, I wonder if there are ways that we could use the square footage that we currently have at our buildings and also our vacant land more efficiently. So, you know, for example, many of our properties have basements that are essentially vacant and not used at all. Is there a way that we can make those more useful? That's a revenue generator, like for example, storage space or an event space or um, whatever. Are there, and then, uh, you know, on, on the same vein of maximizing time, many of our properties are vacant during the weeks, particularly off season. Is there a way that we could, you know, for example, use those spaces as like a meeting space for people or a co-working space or anything like that that doesn't necessarily have to do with people sleeping there overnight uh, you know on a vacation um is there are there other opportunities that we could easily pursue and say like let's maximize you know that whatever so i I, think i had a separate i guess uh, that could have fallen under the same topic but i actually had a 
a separate, a separate category, okay. category okay. that encompass that, but I am now realizing it's a little bit redundant. Sure. So that, yeah, <laughs> but when, that that was kind of where my mind went to with that. Um, I I did I had notes as well about what you said of um, uh, branding and um, pricing and things like that. Yeah. Um, one one thing you said I I hadn't even thought about this, but the idea of better maximizing the square footage of our existing buildings. One that comes to mind for me is Murray. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of our waterfront properties in the Venice Park neighborhood of Atlantic City. So it's it's probably our furthest property from the boardwalk, furthest property from any beaches, although it is on the waterfront of like a kind of back bay channel. But that property, it, it's been a super strong performer for us. And just subjectively in reading the reviews, I think the thing that stands out more than anything is how well received the um, garage rec room area right. is. And I think that that is a perfect example of that. Um, and, and I think that that maybe the the leading, I guess, leading contributor to the success of that property is probably the reviews that right. it has. And I think that the the reviews are as high as they are because of that space in particular. Right. So I think there are, there are ways that we could recreate that in other properties, maybe not necessarily with yeah. a rec room, but maybe a little movie theater room or a yoga yoga room exactly. or a basements. fitness space. Or, yeah. yeah, basements, other spaces that we're not you know fully utilizing. And then, of course, like for the vacant land stuff, I think there's a lot of things that we could do in you know a vacant land perspective. Obviously, we could build things on it, which is going to be you know require like a, an investment of money. But I think even you know I wonder if there are things that we could do in terms of leasing it out for temporary events, uh, putting things on the space that are you know cost effective for us, whatever else. Parking, parking, for example, great idea. Yeah, so there, I think there's a lot you know, to do in my mind, I had said, you know, maximizing space, like square footage and then maximizing like, like time, like square footage that is already used, but is just not constantly occupied. So. Right. Yeah. This is maybe a good time to, to drop this in there. I I did have this as I, I had a question of like, how can we maximize usage? I think that's how you said, how can we maximize time? But my specific goal within that was to capture weeknight vacancy. I would say throughout the year across all of our properties, bookings on the weekend do not tend to be an issue. They are certainly variable in the revenue per night or the nightly rate. But in terms of general occupancy, there seems to be a healthy amount of demand for every weekend, no matter the time of year. Uh, I think that is that is certainly not the case when it comes to weeknights. Um, in the summer, we certainly have fairly high occupancy. Um, we get more like longer stays for like a... Friday to Tuesday or a Thursday to Monday or things like that. But there are plenty of gaps from like a Monday to Wednesday or Tuesday to Thursday, generally in between reservations. And I think that there are, I think, countless opportunities for us to strategize on how to probably come up with some sort of marketing plan that would allow us to better capture some of that demand or to maybe even create some demand by mm-hmm. offering something that is unique and different um, given that we have like otherwise vacant, vacant space. Yeah. I don't know how into the weeds we want to get with this, but I'd written down like a eight different thoughts on how we could potentially, like who we could target to potentially do that. I'd be curious to hear that. Sure. I guess I'll try to organize them a little bit better. So most of them center around local events. Um, I know for example, there's the League of Municipalities every year um, that is hosted 
I don't know if it's at the convention center or boardwalk hall or at one of the casinos. I know Not I stayed sure at the either. ocean casino once and there was, there was a, a insane number of people there that were for that event, but I don't know if it was actually being hosted there. Uh, nonetheless, I think there are, there are events there, what events like that. There are events at boardwalk hall. There are events at the Atlantic city convention center, outdoor events, plenty of outdoor yeah. events. And particularly for the like kind of conference type or convention type events, those have a tendency to fall during the week. And that would, I think, be... I, I'm sure that there are some part, partnerships that we could engage in. There are probably certain gatekeepers that are either facilitating those events or or um, helping with like booking, um, booking larger groups um, that might be... present some opportunities for us to to capture some weeknight demands. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a few other categories of things where I think we might be able to get creative in, in creating some unique offerings that might catalyze people to book during the week when they otherwise would not Um, thinking maybe something through like a, through do do AC Mm -hmm. or through the arts foundation, maybe the chamber of commerce or the NBCA um, maybe partnering with experiences or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Like a unique, I guess <laughs> I feel like I just had different versions of the same thoughts, but I, I have as like kind of a separate thing focusing on, on different niches or niches. Mm-hmm. I go back and forth on my pronunciation. Yeah. Um, but things like golf trips, which obviously are somewhat weather dependent, um, bachelor and bachelorette parties, which are disproportionately going to be weekend. Um, work retreats, I think are an interesting one, um, particularly given our proximity to major employment centers like New York city, Philadelphia, even DC. Um, I think there's, I mean, my friend works at a subsidiary of, of Citadel and they have been in the news recently because I think they brought like 10,000 people in their company or something like that to Disney world. Yeah. I saw that. (laughs) Um, shout out Adam. I know you're a listener and I think there are, you know, most companies do not have the wherewithal to do something like that, but we've certainly had just by virtue of having listings up, we've certainly had groups book for that purpose, um, to, as like a, a convenient meeting spot, uh, especially given the, the layout of a lot of our houses are conducive to that. So I think that that's something we could build a little bit of a lead funnel around. Uh, and then the last thing I had was some curated local experiences, mm-hmm. um, in addition to golf, things like a South Jersey wine tour, wine trip with all the from across all the local vineyards, and related to some of the ideas above, some type of Atlantic City culinary experience. There's no shortage of places that I think would be really good partners for something like that. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I, on a on a different topic, or maybe um, you know the same broad topic, but a different approach to it. Um, something I have on my list is essentially. Um, loaning out some of our existing assets and by assets i sort of mean uh hr assets like people that work for us and even things like physical assets um that are not real property so i'm thinking for example we have um a handyman that works for us we have a construction manager that works for us we have an operations manager that works for us we have vas that work for us we have an accountant that works for us or actually we're in the middle of hiring a new one but we will have an accountant that works for us i think all of these things are 
kind of could be small mini businesses in of themselves in terms of like physical things that we own. We own a truck, we own tools, um, things like that. I think all of these things, there's probably some type of market for other people to use them in one way or another. Um, I think the most obvious thing in my mind would be our, our VAs could easily be used and sort of repurposed to help other people with the way they help us, which is primarily in guest communications. Um, I think our construction manager could help other people as well under the auspices either of himself directly or like our construction business. I think the same is true of our handyman and our operations manager. I think it's a little bit functionally challenging to lend out things like tools and a truck or whatever, but I can certainly imagine there is a need for that in one way or another. Yeah, I think one one caveat about all these things is that with some of these ideas in particular is that these are these are ideas, but you know, the actual implementation of them, the question becomes like, well, is it worth the time and effort? Like is the expected sort of profit from doing these things going to be worth, you know, revenue from doing these things going to be worth the expenses that we undergo in doing them. So like I could imagine, for example, that people might be interested in renting out a truck that we own, but do I want to go through the process of like insurance and worrying about them, you know, messing up the truck and stealing the truck and this and that? And like, is that really worth the, you know, whatever hundred dollars a week that someone might rent it out to, to pay and, you know, advertising it and yada, yada, yada. I don't know. So, but broadly the concept of kind of loaning out our existing people and stuff, I think is something that would be in a way lucrative. So, yeah. Um, those are all great points. I actually took down some additional notes as you were going through that. I think there's a another approach to this question that I took with some of my responses. Uh, everything we've said thus far, I think, has been focused on adding additional revenue. Um, I had a section for things that would help rein in our costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was to I think, operate. exactly. That was the other paradigm. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So kind of like operating, uh, creating a little bit more of a lean operation. There are countless ways we can do that as well. A few ideas that I had written down was to do more, quote unquote, ourselves. Uh, I think the ourselves in this context could be you and me, or it could be other people in our existing operation, uh, maybe taking on a little bit more scope than what they do right now. Um, so there are a number of things that we that we hire out and kind of bill back for that one could arguably say that we could do in-house for less. The general reason why we haven't done it that way thus far is because we have so much going on. Uh, the same is true of everyone who works with us and for us that it's often the case that we just need to create additional capacity. So when there's an opportunity to hire something out, it generally makes sense. But if we're operating in this world where we're trying to get more lean and um, there's a, an opportunity to rein in costs, that is something that we could certainly explore. We could shop around more diligently for every expense, whether that is one-time expenses or ongoing expenses. Again, right now, the problem is that we just have so much going on that it's often not worth the additional brain damage to get three to five quotes for every little thing that comes up, even if the cost of not doing so is several hundred dollars or even thousands of dollars per instance. There's a timing component with that too, totally. is that sometimes the logic is that it's it's better to do something that we know it will happen fast. Totally. Yeah. I also have maximizing our operational efficiencies. So uh, this is, I think cleaning is a good example of this. Um, we've been working pretty closely with our cleaner recently to help her better understand her business's efficiencies and inefficiencies in an effort to allow her to keep her costs down and thereby keep our costs down. So that's 
things relating to cleaning. Uh, this would apply to things relating to cleaning, things like laundry and, and linens, um, how we procure supplies, how we schedule maintenance. Um, I think there's a way wh- that we can do this more cost effectively by planning, by planning more effectively. I had creatively source furniture and decor. Um, we've generally been buying things brand new. Um, we've generally, or more recently, I would say we've been more agnostic to cost. Um, we're certainly not going crazy with costs, but we're not, we're not scrutinizing every line item that our designer may spec because A, we just want it there quickly. B, we are more focused on like a cohesive design and seeing everything come together. And C, I think we're, we have been burned by taking the cost effective route too many times in the past with specifically with furniture, just getting cheaper, uh, poorly made stuff that has not withstood the test of time. So we're a little more inclined to spend more. Um, but I think that there's, there's certainly another way to achieve that goal by, you know, scouring Facebook marketplace or Craigslist, um, going to house sales, estate sales and focusing on, on quality stuff. And then, and then kind of, backing into a design that works once you have those some of those foundational pieces that we've maybe scored at a discount related to the point above uh, there are certainly ways we can reuse existing inventory of supplies and materials more effectively um i have no i don't know where all this stuff is if some of it i'm sure has been thrown out at this point but i am certain that we have a tremendous a tremendous amount of excess flooring excess tile yeah um even like sheetrock Right, kind of generic building materials scattered across various job sites. I'm sure we could we could probably assemble an entire house, house just with yeah. remnant <laughs> materials from which would be a, yeah. be a cool podcast, uh, YouTube series. Um, my go, my guy Bo Miles, I think would, Bo Miles. would have a field day with that. There we go. Um, although I think we might have to have him find it, stage it, it so that he be. finds it on the side of the road. Before yeah, it has to be it. like in rural Australia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll fly you in, Bo. And then lastly, I think there are. I'm sure there are opportunities where we could partner with artists or suppliers or various companies to showcase uh, showcase art, decor, furniture, things like that in our in our units, um, either for the sake of giving them uh, marketing material, like having it photographed in a nice space that is staged well um, for them to proliferate across various channels, or to entice people to buy their products you know we could have like a kind of store in-house kind of concept mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah that was a few thoughts on reining in costs and i think getting more bang for the buck i had the same uh general topic of reining in costs um but my thought process was more along the lines ryan of conversations that we've had recently which is getting uh more transparency into our more granular about our current costs and then setting budgets based on those learnings. So something that Ryan and I have been discussing a lot recently, particularly in the the realm of we're hiring a new bookkeeper. We've we've gone through two bookkeepers in the past couple of years, and we're really looking for someone with a lot of experience and skills that can kind of help us um, in a lot of different ways. And and one of those one of the things that we've struggled with is we have so many interrelated businesses and so many different assets, individual properties. You know, at this point, we have you know call it twenty different houses that are operational in one form or another. That um, we know what we 
you know, kind of spend on a given month just because we know what we pay for our mortgages and insurance and all that. But uh, the, the level of granularity in those expenses, for example, how much did we spend on toilet paper, paper towels, supplies, how much did we spend even on repairs or maintenance or capital improvements or painting or this or that, we don't really have the greatest um, insight into. And I think step one of, of you know, having saving money is knowing where we spend money. And so what we're doing right now, and I think something that we, a certain opportunity that we need to take advantage of is knowing how we spend money per property and then knowing uh, from that, figuring out how to prevent that from happening. So it's, so if we have a budget, for example, for each property and say, Hey, in any given month, we can only spend a thousand dollars on upkeep. And, you know, if in some month, we have to spend $2,000. Well, that means in the next month, we can't spend any money on upkeep, right? And even if that's something that we would like to do, for some reason, we just can't do it, just not in our budget. Um, it, so that's kind of the, I think that's that's the point that we're, we're, we're currently implementing this, but we're a ways away from actually doing it right now. Yeah, I want to take a step back just for a second to highlight the significance of what you just said and, and some of the last few points that we've been talking, or really like the entire theme of this. It, it might seem... It might seem trivial to think about how much we're spending on toilet paper or how much we're spending on landscaping or how much we're spending on this, that, and the other thing if it amounts to a difference of, let's say, $100 a month. Um, even $100 a month on a given property is $1,200 a year, which can be material, especially with smaller properties that, you know, they're, they're lucrative, but, you know, $1,200 a year might be 5 or 10% of the entire net cash flow for the year. So making that kind of difference is is meaningful, especially when it's on the expense side. Um, because if you're able to rein in your expenses, you're essentially that that savings passes through directly to your net cash flow. Um, but the second thing to think about here is the scale at which we're talking about this now is makes all of these even more significant. It like amplifies the the significance of each one of these decisions and opportunities. Um, I don't know the exact number offhand, but we're probably talking about a portfolio of 25 or 30 buildings, which at this point amounts to maybe 75 to 100 units when it's all said and done. So, you know, a $50 a month or $100 a month difference may seem trivial, but when you scale that up across a portfolio of that size, you know, a thousand dollars a year times thirty is thirty thousand dollars a year. That, at at the very least, I'm sure we could unlock that level of cash flow. And I think realistically, if this was our sole focus, we could be, we could probably squeeze out another hundred thousand dollars a year in net income just by just by thinking more carefully about our costs and the ways in which we spend money. Yeah, I think it really hits home for me if you think about it. I think in the context of something trivial, like you said, toilet paper and paper towels, like if we spend $100 per month, not to say that we would save, but just say we're spending, we spend $100 per month in toilet paper and paper towels per property, which I don't think is an unrealistic amount. And we're spending that every month times 12. And we're spending that across a portfolio of 25. And we're talking about, you know, $30,000 that we spend every year in toilet paper and paper towels. So then if you say, well, what if I could save 10% on that? What if I could save 20% on that? Again, it sounds trivial, like buying a toilet paper, a roll roll of toilet paper for a dollar versus 80 cents. But when you think about it in that context, it's a huge difference. 
Tune in next week for why you should put bidets in every one of your Airbnbs. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for why we don't buy toilet paper anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and then similarly on the on the revenue side, I will I'll be the first to admit that it's a fair amount of work to get onboarded onto, for example, a new distribution platform. But if one of these platforms is the difference between one booking per year per property times. 30 properties, again, we could be talking about 30 or 50 or $200,000 a year in found revenue just by being on these sites, on these other distribution platforms that allow us to capture more demand than we otherwise would have. Yeah. On another topic, I have a next thing on my list is more in the realm of um, uh, not reining in costs per se, but finding new opportunities. But I think Something that Ryan and I have discussed multiple times in the past is the idea of just expanding uh, our existing management business. Um, so I think as listeners of the podcast may know, we the management business that we operate, which is Liberty Hudson Solutions, services our existing portfolio more or less exclusively. We have some third-party clients in northern New Jersey, but in Atlantic City, it's just it's just us. But because of our scale, you know, we have 20 plus properties and even more than that in terms of listings in Atlantic City, because some properties have multiple apartments or multiple listings. Um, we have, you know, a, a pretty large operation that we've been forced to build out just to accommodate that. So by that, I mean, we have the operations manager that we alluded to. We have our, our a cleaner. We have a handyman. We have our VAs that handle guest interactions. Um, we have a lots of technology. Uh, different tools that we use, Guesty, Slack, Breezeway, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things are, are built out, I think, in a way that could probably accommodate even double or, um, triple the volume of stuff that we currently give it. And we built that out to, uh, to accommodate the fact that we ourselves are going to be expanding pretty soon. But if we, you know, in the hypothetical that we weren't, um, certainly doubling down on that business, uh, which wouldn't involve, I think, buying any more assets or necessarily even hiring any more people, I think is a pretty obvious way for us to, um, to recognize opportunities, quote unquote, you know, under our noses. I mean, I know it's a little bit, a little bit fibbing because it'd be like a, you know, more business work, but it's probably, you know, thankfully we're in a position where we've built out a structure enough where we can scale, I think, without a ton of effort. Uh, consistent with that, I had a few other ancillary service business ideas that I don't know if I would necessarily be interested, but certainly could represent an opportunity that is under our nose. Uh, and that is starting a cleaning company, starting a landscaping company in concert with those ideas here as well. In concert with, I would not want to do them, but right. Uh, in concert with the expanding the management business, offering, offering up handyman services on a, on a third party basis. I think maintenance and handyman work is, is a sticking point for a lot of STR operators and frankly, a lot of long-term rental operators. Um, and I think that we've out of necessity had to solve that problem in a, pretty intense way for for our own needs and i think that that's something that we could certainly offer up as a valuable resource for other other investors and managers yeah and and, and one business that i i sort of listed as a separate business entirely i think but leverages a lot of these things is this idea of consulting or similar services so in the same vein that we've built an operation of uh, people to help us with our, with our management 
Ryan and I have also, you know, built just a, a wealth of knowledge, I would say, in doing the sort of things that are involved in operating a portfolio like this, um, construction, property management, fundraising, um, private equity, you know, uh, uh, zoning, uh, whatever you want to say in that realm. Ryan and I, though, I think we would be extremely hesitant to call ourselves experts by any means in any of those individual topics. We have a pretty unique blend of experiences in kind of being boots on the ground for a lot of these businesses and, and, you know, having the, the, in Ryan's case, the, the financial background, in my case, the legal background to understand a lot of these things from maybe a perspective that someone wouldn't. So if we wanted to, I think, you know, positioning ourselves in, in, in a consulting type way, which we've really never done, um, certainly could be a way to recognize an opportunity that already exists in our, you know, just by virtue of the fact that we've done all of this already. Yeah. And along the lines of what you just said in the last few ideas that we've thrown out there, I think there, I'd be remiss if I didn't add that we have a construction company and we've never really looked at that as a source of income for ourselves. It's more so been more so been like an integration play with, with everything else that we do. But we certainly have enough knowledge, at least with a certain product type that we could, we could use that as a ancillary revenue stream. Bless you, John, as an ancillary, I guess you could have just edited that out. Um, (laughs) as an ancillary revenue stream to drive some income for ourselves and to in concert with that kind of defray some of the cost of our existing overhead. Do you have anything else on the, I, there's, I, I, I had a whole, like, I don't want to go too deep into it because they're all kind of ephemeral right now, but we, I, I've always been fascinated by the concept of, of like these kind of like hold com- hold codes that, that roll up a whole bunch of different businesses mm-hmm. and like kind of leverage different back office expertises to pour gasoline on the fire of each of those businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have a pretty, conducive skill set to do something like that. I have no idea what form those businesses could or would take. Um, but if we were foreclosed of any real estate opportunities, I think that's one path that I would certainly explore. Yeah. I, I, I specifically, uh, as to one of our assets, I have a number of ideas and that's the laundromat. So people mm-hmm. that listen to this podcast may not know, but Ryan and I own, uh, along with Carly, our operations manager, own a laundromat in Atlantic City. And that right now is just a normal laundromat. You can show up with laundry machines and put in coins and, you know, uh, do your laundry. We've in many ways, uh, at different times talked about ways in which we can make that more lucrative, but if we're talking about different opportunities, there's certainly things that come to mind, like, for example, offering a service that might be specialized towards hospitality clients, like short-term rental operators or hotels or whatever, to say, hey, we'll do your laundry here, or we'll do wash and fold service here, or um, we'll otherwise like utilize the laundry machines that we have in like any other way to just get more volume through them, or even things like just improving the space of the laundromat to make it more appealing and more interesting, or making it easier for people to pay for laundry services. You know, they don't have to use coins; they can use a credit card, whatever else. Uh, maybe we could do storage uh, at the laundromat of um, linens for hospitality operators, whatever else. So that. You know, that kind of delves into like maximizing square footage that we were talking about before. But I think that's an untapped opportunity that we just frankly have not had the bandwidth to focus on given all the other things that we've been doing. Yeah, that's a great thought. And I, I think we've had various iterations of that conversation and have thought about many different directions we can go with the laundromat. And I think it's only a matter of time before we, I think we are actively 
yeah. actually in the process yep. of of acting on some of those, which is good. One other idea that I had, which is actually on the other side of the ledger for reining in costs, is to think more carefully about our debt structure. So I think, unfortunately, as is the case with just about anyone who bought real estate within the last six to nine months, we have, uh, with a number of our projects, borne the brunt of interest rate volatility and interest rate increases across the board. And so that has like thrown a little bit of a wrench into some of our plans. And I think that the opportunity there is to think more carefully about what kind of debt we have on our properties right now and to ensure that we can position ourselves to take advantage of a more favorable lending environment at some point in the near future or at some point in the future, whether that's a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, or 10 years from now, if we put ourselves in a position to be able to refinance more expensive debt out with less expensive debt, then we are creating instant cash flow just by virtue of reduced interest payments. Yeah. And in fact, I had the exact same thing. Um, I, uh, the way that I phrased it was, is there a way that we can recognize synergies by packaging our properties right. together, maybe as one portfolio? Exactly. Are there individual lenders that would be different terms we could get? Could we refinance even if we're not doing all into that? Our existing properties, we talked about that with some of our, yeah. our properties right now, we sort of have money tied up into them that we could access. And I think so, the track record here would, would also work to our benefit. Right, right. Are there like specific hospitality type lenders or funds that might give us liquidity in that sense? Right. Or maybe even want to be investors in the portfolio in some sense, um, for sure. So yeah, I think it's, it's both on the, on the expense saving side of the ledger, but also maybe there might be opportunities to just, you know, I don't know, you know, if we want to start a lending company, start a lending company, <laughs> <laughs> use the portfolio. Um, right. So did you uh, have any other, any other ideas here? I, you know, I had, um, something that I think we, we touched on a little bit. You touched on maybe in your very first point about kind of maximizing the existing business. But, you know, my one thing that maybe more of an ancillary idea to that idea, but something that we had talked about that I think could be lucrative, um, is to really, to really lean into the luxury end of the spec of the market with some of our properties. So Ryan, you talked about, or we both talked about this idea of, you know, like trying to appeal, for example, to work, uh, parties or bachelor parties or, you know, whatever. I think there's an opportunity that we, I think some of our existing resources, for example, like our VAs might be a little bit underutilized and we could utilize them more efficiently to say, how can we better personalize your stay? Or even how can we make your stay more amenable to a traditional hospitality experience? So, you know, one, one thing I was remarking on recently in a different context was what, what is the difference between a short term rental property and a hotel? Uh, and I think that there are some obvious differences, you know, like a hotel is, typically in a large, you know, building that has other rooms that are interchangeable, whereas a short-term rental is, you know, a house or something like that that's unique. But and, and those are usually said in the context of saying like, well, a short-term rental is better, you know, because you get a house and it's unique and it's different and, you know, whatever. But I think there are certain ways in which short-term rentals are less are, are worse from a hospitality perspective. And one of them is that when you check into a short-term rental, you don't meet or see anybody. And one of the biggest things I find at high-end luxury hotels is that there's this hospitality thing. There are people there to greet you, to help you, to, you can ask questions to, to welcome you, just make you feel pampered. And, you know, I wonder if we could do that more at some of our existing 
already existing high-end assets to say like, how can I make you feel even more pampered? Is it by devoting more of our time, our VA's time, our operations manager's time, whatever to like more curate that experience? I mean, not necessarily just messaging on Airbnb, but like being physically present to say like, how can I welcome you more into this, you know, experience? Yeah. Uh, something that comes to mind in the context of this entire conversation is we just had all of these ideas from you know the last the probably the preceding 7 minutes to recording this podcast when we scribbled down some notes which shows you the level level of preparation we put into these well, put into these podcasts but, 7 minutes and 36 years of experience exactly you know. <laughs> but i think if we if we were in in this position one of the first things i would do would be to make a concerted effort to live our live this experience more than we do right now. I'd say right now we like stay in some of our places periodically, generally when it's like convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we were to go this route uh, and you know, maybe regardless, we should be staying and like living these experiences even more often because every time I've stayed in one of our places, I've, we, I think both end up with a laundry list of things ranging from like punch list items that just, are overdue from a maintenance standpoint to opportunities to do something cool within an existing space, kind of consistent with your thought on maximizing square footage of existing buildings. Um, Every time I I enter a space, you know, exactly. I mean, at this point we really don't even go into a lot of our properties at all. Right. um, Just because either they're occupied or just, we don't have time to physically like visit them. So there are properties that we own that I've, I haven't been in in six months. Right. So I think it's important to think about real estate or to remember that, you know, real estate is each piece of real estate is unique and what might be called for in one property might make no sense for another. Conversely, there are things, there are unique things that we can do to each building that would enhance that particular building. And I think we have enough opportunities across the board where we can create some really cool stuff um, by virtue of the different kind of blank canvases we have across the board. I didn't have anything other specific things. Uh, I, I don't know if you do. I don't. Uh, before we wrap up here, I thought it might be helpful for us to maybe come up with some action items to leave with here. Well, one thing that I am particularly interested in is, uh, I think as you said, around the other side of the ledger, the expense side of the ledger, um, understanding our expenses on a per property basis and then making budgets based on that, I think is super important. And I think that the way that we're doing that is we're hiring a bookkeeper with that level of expertise and going to be asking that person to focus on this as one of their first tasks. Breaking breaking news during our recording of this podcast, she responded and accepted our job offer. Well, and now we have a bookkeeper. So <laughs> that is fantastic. Welcome news. to the team, Monica. Welcome to the team. Yeah. Um, so that's great. I think uh, she's starting, we're recording this on a Friday and I believe she's slated to start on Monday. So yeah. as soon as Monday, we'll be actionable on that um yep i completely agree with that and i think that that is long overdue i also am increasingly emboldened by the opportunities on the kind of like distribution side um i know we threw out a bunch of different ideas um each of which excite me in their own way um we have one of our direct booking sites is atlantic city vacation rentals.com check it out yeah sponsored um (laughs) And, you know, that, that website right now just kind of houses all of our listings that are in that geographic area. But as I stated before, I think there is tremendous opportunity in using that and kind of taking a, an SEO driven approach 
to trying to attract groups coming down for bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, golf trips, work retreats, culinary experiences, vineyard tours, um, all of those different types of things attract different groups. And many of those, I think, by appealing to many of those, I think we can also um, make some headway on our goal of maximizing or recapturing some of that weeknight demand. Yeah, I think in in that same vein, one of the first things we talked about that you brought up, Ryan, is um, making sure that we're religiously looking at our occupancy and pricing. And I think an actual way to do that is we recently have started, been, we signed up with Key Data, um, which is a, a... Not sponsored. Not sponsored. Uh, although if you'd like to sponsor us, <laughs> please let us know. Um, it's a short-term rental you know, data platform, benchmarking platform, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we haven't really utilized it yet, but you know, we have this sort of, uh, we have these VAs that we're, are not super, super busy with us. And I think that we could kind of assign one of them as like the, the, you know, revenue czar or occupancy czar or, you know, whatever to be the owner of, of that process. We've, toyed with that a little bit by saying like let us know you know how occupancy looks yada 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 we don't really have a process for that we haven't really trained them to do that so I, I would love to get on that um it's a little bit in the off season it's a little bit more difficult than in the high season because the off season we just don't have a lot of volume to begin with but in a you know three months or so four months we'll, we'll start to ramp up again so we should set that up in the off season i think for the for the high season for sure yeah uh i think back to the distribution side a little bit I, I don't know exactly what the action item is here i think maybe there's a little bit of networking to do but i think it'd be great if there are ways that we can target some groups that come into town for these various events and conventions and conferences and whatnot mm -hmm. um i think particularly the ones that are kind of small business focused um, i think it presents a really cool opportunity to bring a company down and stay in a house like Atlantic or a place like Raleigh or any one of our places in town that are oversized and extremely conducive to large groups because that offers possibilities that you just cannot replicate in a hotel. Yeah. And I think, uh, again, on the revenue side, some of these business opportunities like third-party management or consulting or whatever are part of the conversation that Ryan and I are having right now about how we want to devote our time going forward. I think the action item there for us is really just to think more like, is this, are those the sort of things that we want to trade our time for doing? Are there ways that we could benefit from those things by pouring other resources on it? So, you know, obviously, um, this hypothetical was saying, you know, our, our resources are constrained, but in reality, our resources are not all that constrained. So are there, you know, other ways that we can pour, hire someone or bring someone else on or raise some money or whatever else to, to scale those things? If that we think is a good use of our time and money and efforts, we're still in the midst of doing that. But I think step one is just figuring out, is that a good use of our time and efforts? Yep. Consistent with the distribution stuff, I think branding is something we've talked about and started acting upon. Uh, and I think that will that will help kind of achieve our goal of driving more direct bookings and owning the distribution channel a little bit more than we are when we are reliant solely on these OTAs. Um, the last thing that comes to mind for me, at least, is uh, as an action item, is to think more a little bit more about the topic of debt and structuring debt and priming ourselves to capitalize on on the debt markets when they're a little bit more favorable for the borrowers. So um, I think we're doing that by virtue of getting more things activated and operating these properties as best we can. I think a lot of this is going to be a byproduct of time. So we're going to have to wait and see what the markets do. But what we can control is what we can control. 
And to the extent that we do that, we will reap the benefits whenever the timing is right. Yeah, I think this has been a great exercise. I hope it's been an interesting episode as Ryan and I kind of talk through real time some of these things. Um, like I said at the beginning, I don't think we've ever really focused on this with this level of detail and level of thoughtfulness. Um, we're always, like Ryan said, after the next, you know, shiny bright object. And sometimes we forget that we have a, you know, portfolio of stuff that we could maximize and in various ways kind of under our, our noses, as it were. So I'd love to revisit this. You know, I'd love to maybe do a follow up episode, maybe in six months or something like that to say, like, you know, I have our, my notes. I'm sure you have your notes from, from this. So we could follow up and say, you know, what are the things that we actually implemented and what are the new ideas that we had? And there's probably a whole nother episode here called opportunities not under our nose is far away from us that we want to pursue. And Ryan and I have also been talking about those, which are a little bit more, you know, maybe sexy, more exciting, more whatever, but um, mm. not Tell me more about those sexy new ideas, John. Well, you know, that's, that's not <laughs> for the tuned. podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ryan and yeah, I are partners is- after all. So. <laughs> yeah, this has been a great episode. Um, this is one of those that, I think even if it were not being recorded would be useful. Hopefully these have been recording and we can put this out. But even if it were not being recorded, this was certainly a useful exercise for the two of us. If there are any listeners out there who want to hold us accountable to these things and check in with us on our, uh, on some of our action items that we're taking away from this, please feel free to do so. You always have our emails at your fingertips. Ryan at LibertyHudson.com is mine. And John is John, J-O-H-N at LibertyHudson.com. Always great to hear from you guys. John, do you want to take us out for the day? Yeah, we always appreciate the listenership. We really appreciate hearing from you guys. I think every week I get an email or a phone call or something about someone who's listened to the podcast or has a question or whatever else. And I love interacting with people and responding. Um, feel free to do that if you are at all inclined about anything we've talked about or anything we've talked about in previous episodes. Uh, if you are listening or looking at this podcast on a platform that allows you to subscribe or like or follow, it would be much appreciated if you do that because that lets us know who's listening and watching and what topics you guys like to hear and what platforms are the best for us to distribute on. We will be back shortly. Uh, we're, we're getting back into a groove again with podcast episodes. We took a, a break of like five months during which I had a baby and Ryan uh, got married and we were busy at work in Atlantic City stuff, but we're getting back into the groove of it. So expect more episodes from us in a more consistent fashion soon. And until next time, thank you guys very much for watching and listening. Thank you for listening. And by the time this comes out, it may be 2023. So... Happy holidays and happy new year to all. Absolutely. You're listening to the Brick by Brick podcast, where we take you from the ground up on real estate investing. Join us on our entrepreneurial voyage through the world of flipping houses, managing rental property, and building a real estate empire.